0: Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Untreaded Media Podcast. This is episode 162, where we are going to poo-poo the modern movie-making process. Um, no, it. this kind of all started from an idea that Josh and I had of we really couldn't think of a discussion for this week, and so we kind of wanted to do a different approach for this and just kind of have more of a less structured discussion and just kind of an actual discussion discussion that is free to amble within certain parameters and so I kind of had this thought that I've had for many years of the only thing that makes me more annoyed with current movies nowadays besides the incessant need for reboot sequels and remakes is people that complain about reboot sequels and reboots but we'll get more into that in our discussion but we're kind of we want to talk about brands and IPs in movies nowadays because honestly that really is all movies are nowadays sure we're getting some select gems every once in a while that are truly new and original ideas but for better or for worse we're getting a lot of the same properties over and over again is that a good thing is that a bad thing we kind of just want to take a step back and kind of look at the landscape currently of movies like we talked about the future of the distribution of movies of like streaming versus blockbusters now we want to look at the movies themselves of like is creativity truly as dead as the people claiming like the sky is falling like it is or is it a little more complicated than that so that's kind of what we're going to dive into today but uh josh how you doing tonight
1: chilling my dude it's another day in the life uh yeah (laughs) nothing really new this week to report we're just uh relaxing and trying not to die, I guess. <laughs> I'm still waiting on my car to get fixed though. Like I still have heard absolutely nothing about it and we're going on a month, so that's a little
0: Oh, you know. A little odd. Anything involving cars can never be done quickly.
1: Apparently. Especially now when they're waiting on parts and stuff like that.
0: Um, you watching anything good lately?
1: Uh I mean I'm watching <laughs> Demon Slayer is right now is super good. Uh I'm caught up on Peacemaker. Okay. This remind I did I watched this, I think it was last night or yesterday, I don't remember. Um but I I was pretty vocal on the pod about how I uh, have not been too happy with um Book of Boba. It's fine and honestly for four episodes it, it's just plain boring of nothingness like they really turned boba fett from this like really cool uh stoic bounty hunter that could take on the galaxy and it's well you know blah 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 and kind of reduced him i understand they're trying to give him like human emotions and that's cool but like it just it they're human human emotions that don't seem to make sense with who boba is uh and I was told by numerous people that what is it, episode five? Yes, episode I needed, five. I needed to come back and watch it, at least watch episode five. Um, and that's because I feel like I, I don't want to spoil it because like it is. It's been out a for week.
0: about a week now. Anybody that yeah. wants to see it has already seen it.
1: Yeah, I, t- dude. So it's a Mandalorian episode, and like that's cool, but also like, I guess you had no faith in your boba story? I don't know. It's a cool episode. Don't get me wrong, our first look at a bd droid, uh seeing a Naboo starfighter was super cool. Uh this is like there's a lot of good stuff. Um but I don't it's in the middle of a boba fett show that like it doesn't like why is this here?
0: Because you know it what knew I mean? it because it knew it was losing its audience.
1: Yeah, like and that's fine i guess but yeah season uh finale of demon slayers next week and i'm not emotionally prepared for it
0: yeah <laughs> so i also watched book of Bofa and i was squealing with delight on quite a few scenes the naboo starfighter got me really excited seeing stuff on the pod race again seeing a bd unit i lost my mind just going <gasps> it's not my bd1 but it's a bd so we're getting closer um i love that episode uh once again in preparation for the uncharted movie but going through all the games so now i'm on uncharted 4 but the ps5 remaster um is there any difference it is for me because i played okay. it on the ps4 version now some people are like it's not that much different from the ps4 pro version i'm going well if you're coming off a ps4 it's a big difference uh, I've tried a little bit of both. They have like a fidelity mode where it's like 4K 30 frames per second and a 1440p with 60 frames per second. I like Spider Man, the Spider Man game at 60 frames per second in 4K. I don't like Uncharted at 60 frames per second because, I don't know, Spider Man, I see it as a video game whereas Uncharted, it's much more cinematic. And so, like, you kind of want to, at least for me, I like getting closer to just that regular film frame rate that i'm used to yeah um still one of my all-time favorite games it's just beautiful to watch and play i love it um i'd say i'm probably about 60 65 percent of the way done so by the time we get back next week i might be done with it but it's just so good i love it so much it it is (laughs) one of the most gorgeous ones uh i'm having some issues though because i didn't really mess with it when i played it on the ps4 but photo mode yeah, I shouldn't be allowed to have photo mode in Uncharted. Oh, no! <laughs> I, like my computer will now just be solely the home of Uncharted for screen caps that are way too nice. Um, <laughs> but besides that, the only thing I've really watched was Disney's Cruella, because oh, like yeah. um, Heather and I have a, like a long list of stuff that we've compiled of like someday we want to watch this, so we're going through it. and We're like, let's let's just watch Cruella. It's not the worst Disney live-action remake. There's a lot worse. It is somewhere in the middle. There's a lot of things that this movie does right, and a lot of things that this movie doesn't. Emma Stone is fantastic. Uh, She's got a really great British accent. She's got this weird, like, Cruella slash Estella thing going on of, like, she might two-faced type of situation of like here's my good side here's my evil side but they address it and then they don't really bring it back into the story in any meaningful way Um and I tried not to compare it to the other 101 Dalmatians but it was really hard when it came to her henchmen of Jasper and Horace I grew up on the live action one with Glenn Close House and Mr. Weasley House and Mr. Weasley were just much better and i don't think the movie makes it so that she was childhood friends with them and they've grown up together i'm going that just just seems like a weird unnecessary addition to this movie of like we're family try to humanize me please because i'm gonna skin puppies later that's all my other that's my other issue was like i'm not actually that bad uh no, we we know from 101 Dalmatians you you want to kill Dalmatians and they're like oh that was just a smear campaign. I'm like we but we know someday you will be evil. This movie does not go and fully redeem this character or really explain why. Oh she's not actually evil. Like the the threat is not counterbalancing her evilness so much. Yeah. Um. Also, That's, Mark yeah. Strong's in it. They absolutely waste him, which makes me so mad because Mark Strong continues to be one of the most underrated um, character actors out there. Whether it's um, his role in the Kingsman movies, I love him in Sherlock, and the Sherlock Holmes, uh, the first one, not the Benedict Cumberbatch series. Even in stuff that's bad, like Russell Crowe's Robin Hood, um, he's great in it. He's completely wasted in it. Heather and I joked about it, half joking but half serious, that... Um, A third of the movie went to just traditional movie-related budget stuff. A third of it went to the wardrobe department. And a third went to the music licensing department. Because, like, every 30 seconds they've got another random 70s music needle drop. And I'm going, this is cool. But how much did you have to pay for this? And why is this, like, needed here? It was worse than the first Suicide Squad in terms of, here's a song that you like to distract you from the not-as-interesting story developments going on here Mm. um like i said it's not the worst There's much worse disney live action remakes but it's it's no jungle book but it, it wasn't the biggest waste of time like lion king or beauty and the beast like if i had to i'd put this on again but it's the definition of like put it on in the background type of type of movie
1: that's fair. There's still a lot of movies that I haven't seen, and that's definitely one of them. Along with that, Mulan reimagining that I really—I
0: hate that one so mad, much.
1: I'm so mad that how hyped I was for it, and then it just—I still haven't seen it, which is really sad. But yeah, man, uh, been a pretty pretty quiet week.
0: Watched the Royal all, Rumble. Um no, w- walked why? away disappointed.
1: Yeah, why would why would you like? Because what the,
0: world? the show overall, because. As a, a former wrestling fan, I can be a little more less biased with it than some other diehard wrestlers. i just like, oh, this is the worst show ever. No, no, what you mean is the men's rumble sucked. The rest of the show yeah. is actually pretty solid. Roman versus Seth. Seth comes out to the Shield music and Shield gear. I pop pretty hard for that. Roman <laughs> finally getting closure for the whole Shield angle that, you know, started eight years ago. In 2014, yeah. when I first started watching, was nice. And I know they're just like, boo, Roman, because he's beating up Seth. I'm going, no, as a, am watching this as a character, and from a narrative perspective, he's getting catharsis that was denied to him for eight years. I'm going to cheer this guy because he's going through the stages of grief. And I don't think WWE intentionally was that intelligent with it. But I'm going, no, of course not. Roman, your acting and your storytelling here with Seth, that that's... That's A-plus storytelling, and then the rest of the show happened and went yeah. off the rails. But I will still call out good stuff when I see it. I'll always be entertained by the Rumble, but it wasn't. people bash on it. It's mainly the men's Rumble that was bad. Um, but besides that, dude, we had yeah. an awesome weekend of football. Holy crap. Dude, holy crap. Like...
1: I, just from the playoffs, the playoffs all, all all the way up to these championships games have been pretty, okay, outside of the Niners-Packers game. Not even
0: not even just championship, the whole playoffs. It's wonderful to me that the only blowout game was the Patriots game. That just warms my heart. The rest of them have been like overtime thrillers.
1: Uh, Well, outside of the Niners-Packers. Yeah. But it's the Packers. I could care less. Um, But, like, dude, like the Bengals-Chiefs game fantastic won't lie was super nervous when it went to overtime and and the chiefs won the coin toss i was about to say so like, the chiefs are going to the super bowl here we go again, again because of the
0: coin toss
1: yeah and i was like oh so mad it's and then, a weighted just, coin ugh, i mean there was a moment where i was like there's no way that's 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 real there's no because they're at home field both games and it happens both times like mm, it's a little shady a little shady uh, and then yeah, the Niners um, Rams game was pretty good too. Like, gosh, dude, like just two solid games. I'm excited to see Bengals and Rams. Um, it was really funny. My brother pointed out that uh, Bengals haven't been to the was it yeah it was Bengals haven't been to Super Bowl since it was like '88 when Joe Montana was the quarterback for the for the Niners and they lost. It's been it's been a while, my dude. So it'll be it'll be fun. I I, I think. Like, I saw a meme and said, like, uh, between seeing Bengals and Rams in in the in the Super Bowl, and having and the the
0: Super Bowl uh,
1: halftime show is what it is. Like a lot of kids are going to see who who their
0: parents really are this this Super Bowl. (laughs) Which I saw a great meme that was like with Matthew Stafford. And Eminem both going to be at the Super Bowl. This yeah. is Detroit. The closest Detroit's ever going to be to a Super Bowl. And I'm going. Ooh. And also, Dude, like, that- this whole time, I've kind of been rooting for the Bungles just because the, the Bungles. They were the bottom dwellers with the Browns and the Lions. And now you're yeah. here. Like, yeah. I wrote them off before the Chiefs, but they did it. Honestly, I'm fine with either team winning. And I can't remember the last time I heard th- or said that about a Super Bowl. It should be a fun matchup. Uh these entire playoffs have been amazing and that does not normally happen. I've no. been really invested in these football playoffs and that does not normally happen but <laughs> yeah. Um let's get into some news because speaking of the football playoffs, our first news topic comes out of the football playoffs which isn't necessarily surprising because for some reason football playoffs are always like the home of breaking trailers. And this one felt like an apology for the first trailer, so to speak. And that is the first trailer for the Paramount Plus series, Halo. It has been in development since, oh, I don't know, 1998, maybe. It just feels like it's been stuck (laughs) in development hell. Now it's actually coming, did they say March? End of March, Mm -hmm. I believe, is when the series is debuting. Beginning to end, yeah. March 28th, and I'll be honest this trailer is pretty good for the most part um but i'm also coming at it as a non-halo fan i think i have clocked in maybe total in my entire life three to four hours playing halo across like different friends and roommates in college gaming system i was just didn't have an xbox didn't grow up playing halo i didn't have halo parties or friends growing up um so i don't know the halo lore I recognized the sword that, like, popped through the wall. But there was a moment in the trailer that I knew, oh, the internet, I'm sure it's going to handle this completely rationally, was the first appearance of Cortana. And I am I kind of understand the criticisms of, no, no, we've seen Cortana. What's that? Like, the actress <laughs> looks the part, but um, even in my limited Halo knowledge, uh, yeah. isn't Cortana a little more blue like yeah, yeah. It, it looks a little weird um didn't quite um, look right also this trailer was better and i'm sure it'll have the production value that it needs but josh at least for me did it just look like it was the most expensive fan film ever created
1: <sighs> yeah there's certain moments where i was like okay this just feels like a fan film but maybe that's because there's, there's a part of me that is feels that i feel that way because we never thought we would ever get like a show um what's really really interesting to me is um if someone hmm, who's beat every who's beat every game except for the new one i haven't been able to play the new one yet um and read a good chunk of the books i'm kind of excited for this because is if it's been a while since I have read the books, but dude, they're doing something completely different from the game. I mean, not completely different, but it's different enough. And we'll probably be, end up touching on this later in our discussion. But it it it's coming from you know a game series that has easy five games, depending on what games you count, um, attached to it. There's tons. There's years worth of lore and equally so so many books that decade dedicated to this to the lore of this franchise and so it's it'd be easy just to kind of settle in one of those realms or try to blend them both but they're good they're taking this and there's some stuff that stood out to me in the trailer that is like they're doing some different takes on some things for example uh not letting the spartans up at least up at the very front i'm sure they'll have autonomy later, later on but basically that they can be controlled by the government at, at the, when they're first created that's a super interesting development having like his master chief has always been that guy that's he's you know he's he's the best he's the, the the badass soldier man he get you stick him in a direction he'll get things done you know like and so to give him some a reason to to fight outside of well because i'm told to well yeah that's that's super interesting to me the katana thing is when i saw it i was like "Uh, okay yeah i get it i don't isn't she a
0: hologram so shouldn't she be more blue
1: (sighs) i i don't know i i don't care i think of the things that matter to this story, her being blue is the thing that matters the least. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, as long as she's a good character, that's all that matters. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why it's always difficult uh, and why some studios, man, this whole episode's just going to turn into a discussion about IPs. Um, Why some studios kind of like don't want to make shows based on games is because the gaming community can be, pretty stupid. About oh, what I'm sure. I
0: don't know what that's like at all being one of the few people excited for the Uncharted movie and everyone going, why is not getting get an Agent Fillion? perfect <laughs> for the Uncharted movie. It's perfectly fine to start a franchise with a 50-year-old in an action movie. Tom Cruise does it all the time. I'm that's sure I don't before, know what that's it? like to have excitement for an Uncharted and everyone telling you, this movie's going to be terrible. Admittedly, one or two of the posters have been bad, but I get frustrated with video game fandoms too as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I speaking of uncharted, I was kind of wondering at seeing your approach with this because again, I don't know the source material. I was wondering if they would take the uncharted movie route of clearly uncharted is creating its own narrative inspired by the games and not beholden to the games and their lore. So from what you're seeing, is that what, halo is doing or do you think they're it's, following the games
1: yeah it, it looks like and again this is just a trailer so we have no real idea um i am hoping there's a lot of stuff they're hiding because i really don't want this to just be it i like the idea of giving um master chief some other spartans to play off of because especially if they make him oh, i don't know not talk a lot like in the games <laughs> um, be interesting to have some other characters around uh It does look, and maybe I'm alone in this, who knows, but it does look like they're doing something that is more like inspired by the games than it is a complete, you know, shot for shot of the games, which is as much as a game fan says they want that, that's not what they want. That's not at all what they want.
0: Oh boy. Yeah, it's it's like translating a book to a movie of well, I want everything. I'm going you can't it's changing a medium. Like Josh knows having going through the Harry Potter right now. You can't put everything from the books yeah. into the movie. Like as much as I would love a 100% accurate uncharted representation from game to movie, more than a third of the movie would be looking at a man's butt as he climbs up a mountain. That's Yeah. That's being realistic like you can't also have a game where you're just looking through people's eyes the whole time hardcore henry tried that hardcore henry is a first person shooter movie essentially and that did not work you can have some first person stuff it's one of the only good things about the dwayne johnson doom movies when they try it for a little bit but you different mediums require different adaptations and i that gets frustrating to me uh people are like it has to be a certain way i'm going there is wiggle room here, guys.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think you, you and I can check ourselves even to the point where you and I have always championed, like, well, you know, if you want to do Harry Potter, quote unquote, do Harry Potter right, uh, give it a TV show. And I don't think that that, you know, upon reading some of the books and upon kind of looking at, like, the, the more discussion about medium changes and stuff like that. I don't know if that's necessarily true either because no matter what you do things will be different and I think that one of the things going into this Halo show is I think a lot of people will will tune in for like one or two episodes and then when it's not what they think a Halo show should be they're just going to bail and that's not A, that's not fair, B, it's oh, you know what, I'm saying this and I'm realizing realizing I might have done that to the Bo- Book of Boba Fett. But that's not, <laughs>
0: that's not fair. That's not fair. It's not because... fair because I said it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's also not fair because like, it's not... The the, the pacing is weird. It's not, not at all like what I think the Book of Boba Fett sh- show should have been. It's more like the show is just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: Now, a show that isn't stupid, well, I mean, it is stupid, but it's intentionally stupid, is James Gunn's Peacemaker, the spinoff to The Suicide Squad, which, according to James Gunn, has already talked to HBO Max about doing another spinoff of The Suicide Squad, and I'm going... Mm- Is this different? Is this the same than that other project that you said is reportedly in the works that you've had for a little bit now? Because I remember James Gunn saying he's had another DC project lined up. Is that separate from this than the Suicide Squad spinoff? I'm I'm inclined to say it is different, and he's got multiple projects in the works with HBO Max, which also still kind of leaves me going, well... Didn't HBO Max, like, shell out half a billion dollars for J.J. Abrams? When is J.J. going to start doing stuff? Which, y'all can come after me for Rise of Skywalker or not, but y'all seem to forget because you didn't like Rise of Skywalker that J.J. is still a very competent filmmaker with a lot of good movies under his belt. So I'm still excited to see what J.J. brings to the table. I just think it's weird that we're getting all this James Gunn stuff, but we haven't heard anything about J.J. Abrams' projects lately. And it could be... Because it wouldn't be unheard of for Warner Brothers. Of well, James Gunn is the hot flavor of the week, so uh, JJ, you wait till you wait a little bit because Warner Brothers, as we know, is very reactionary. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I would not mind another Suicide Squad spinoff because I like the first The Suicide Squad so much, and this is also coming off the heels of James Gunn, seemingly. Almost confirming that a Peacemaker Season 2 will be happening. Mm -hmm. He says – it hasn't been confirmed yet, but he's like, we have good ratings. People really, really like it. I hope we get a Season 2 because I can absolutely see it. Um, I I think we've talked about on the podcast before. Bring in Sportsmaster because that would be a perfect – dude. That would be a perfect James Gunn character, and especially how he's portrayed in Young Justice would be amazing. Straight up real quick, I thought his
1: brother – was gonna end up being Sportsmaster, and then they were, they were like, "Oh no, but he's dead." And I was like, "Oh
0: come on, come
1: on!"
0: <laughs> so, Josh, if you had to put money on it, if this is a Suicide Squad spinoff, mm-hmm. who are we focusing on?
1: Uh, Calendar Man <laughs> and the Condiment King. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I um, I think using the word spinoff would be weird i don't like are are we saying we're focusing on one character and going from from there or are we saying like because i guess technically peacemaker is a spinoff of the it is yeah so i guess i don't know so do you maybe go blood sport that could be fun um i don't know because the issue is spoiler that there's not a lot of people alive by the end of uh, by the end of um, the Suicide Squad, so I don't I don't know. It maybe it's maybe it's the Adventures of Weasel. Who knows?
0: <laughs> Weasel learns to swim. The short film. Oh, oh dude! Yes, <laughs> King Shark. Yes. King Shark teaches Weasel to swim. Friend, friend, no. paddle. No, yeah, no,
1: no, I, I got it. It's a, it's a four-episode series of King Shark going to college to be able to talk, and like actually have a like proper working like mental f- faculty.
0: And at the end, he has like a Scarecrow and Wizard of Oz moment of he just rattles off like some high-concept brain stuff, yes. and like a big old long monologue. Yes. So. Coming out of the Suicide Squad, there was people, certain people that James Gunn was particularly hyping up. He was hyping up John Cena's Peacemaker a lot, who ended up getting a spinoff, and rightly so, because I'm going to include the Peacemaker series itself in this conversation. I think John Cena's work in the Suicide Squad is his best work to date. Yeah. i think he was outstanding in it i think he's better in the movie than he's in the show and i like him in the show it's good it's helping to flesh out his character but i thought he was outstanding in the suicide squad but there's somebody else that james gunn was really hyping up that i could see him being really attached to this character and trying to spin it into their own series that would fit perfectly with his taste uh and that's rat catcher 2 i can absolutely see him going that route um I can see HBO Max kind of going, mm, we don't know what we want to do with Harley Quinn right now because Birds of Prey didn't really live up to our financial expectations. Yeah. Um, the first Suicide Squad with Harley Quinn didn't do as well either. So I think they're still kind of figuring out what they want to do with Harley Quinn. And I think Margot Robbie's still kind of – from everything I'm hearing, Margot Robbie's like on the fence if she's coming back or not. depends on how they're utilizing her, whereas Ratcatcher – I could see Ratcatcher being used. I think that was a huge breakout role for, I think, his, oh, What is the actress's name? It's like Danielle Melchior or something similar to that. Kind of like how Ana de Armas got a big breakout role in Knives Out of, like, yeah. a lot of people going, wow, who's this? She's fantastic. I could see Ratcatcher maybe showing more of her and Taika Waititi. Oh, yes. Because Taika Waititi... Also has a working relationship with HBO Max of Our Flag Means Death, the uh, the pirate comedy that's coming out soon that he's directed the pilot episode for that, and will be Blackbeard on. So he's got a working relationship with HBO Max. My guess is on Ratcatcher, if this show's happening, from the way James Gunn phrased it, this is the show that he's pitching to HBO Max. It hasn't been greenlit yet, but there's some other project that is actually happening. That he is working on, which I wouldn't be surprised if we find out what that is at the end of Peacemaker season one of like this other show dovetails out of Peacemaker. (laughs) Um, Hey, that Uh, just happened to work out. Wow. Yeah, it did. Um, Subliminal messaging there. Wow. Uh, I'm still of the opinion that I don't know. I forget where I heard this, but this is a while back and I can't get it out of my brain that he's going to introduce green arrow at some point and that's Mm -hmm. an obscure enough character and boy it's weird that cw's arrow just happened to uh be finished a few years ago now granted they're not as stingy with their characters as they used to be of like well you can't have this character like how the suicide squad got pulled from all arrow episodes because they're doing a suicide squad movie like they're not stingy with that anymore um but you never know um again this show isn't confirmed yet but according to james gunn it's Heavily being considered right now to do another Suicide Squad spinoff. Would you want a Ratcatcher series, or there's other characters from the squad that you'd be more interested in? Polka Dot Man show when?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, but he's dead, so it, it kind of sucks. It's uh, a prequel. Like, it's about his mom. <laughs> how terrifying would that be? uh How it's him just and Psycho? Oh, dude, it's it's like a a one off series of how him and his sister Patchwork uh got caught, and, like that's why they're how they got to do. It. Uh, it'd be no, I don't know. It could be interesting. Um, oh, actually, uh, real quick, sorry. Um, yeah, I would love Ratcatcher. I'm not sure if you don't do a prequel, I don't know what else you do. I'm Mainly that's because I don't know much about the character herself. So it's a little hard for me to imagine where they would go with her. Um, but yeah, no, I just had the idea of like, if, if it's a spinoff, sure. Uh, what if it's, it's just basically an anthology series of them going through Belle Reeve and telling, and each convict basically giving a story slash adventure of how they got caught or something, which could be like, that's a good way to flesh your world out. A good and way also to like get, introduce people.
0: Shine a light on the obscure characters like he does. I like that idea. Just call it Bell Rev and it's, yeah. you got a calendar man episode. You got a polka dot man episode, which, um. I don't know why but when you said "where direct what direction do you take with a cal- with a rat catcher series I don't know why but my brain immediately goes to Pied Piper which oh, for, for those people that don't know <laughs> Pied Piper in the comics more or less is like it is in the story of he's yep. a musician so that could work maybe someone that could also control her own rats I, I don't know but I, I really like your Bell Rev idea I kind of want that now get as weird as humanly possible introduce like anarchy condiment king we got a kite man reference on peacemaker that makes me
1: so happy oh my gosh batmite
0: (laughs) spinoff series
1: dude i'm still blown away that they just casually dropped that in 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 peacemaker and then gave his actual
0: and then gave his actual like background history he's an interdimensional being
1: he's an interdimensional imp that's a stand for batman i was like that's yeah what Okay, cool. Uh I'm very curious to see where peacemaker goes and I think by the time this season ends we'll probably get a better idea of what this project might be or what some of the other projects might be. So,
0: who knows? Another project that I can 100% see being an HBO Max exclusive is the Mortal Kombat sequel that has now officially been greenlit. Um I'm kind of wondering why it took them so long because while I didn't love the Mortal Kombat movie, Uh, It did make a decent amount of money for the time that it was released and the fact that, you know, it was sent out to die getting a day-and-date release at the same time, which, you know, ended up hurting every movie involved with that stupid strategy. Um, But the way that Mortal Kombat ended, I was at least interested in a sequel because, you know, a Mortal Kombat movie should have a tournament, you would think, and not, you know, the build-up to the tournament. Um, (laughs) My only hope... And I'm sure Josh will agree with me on this one. Is in this Mortal Kombat sequel, have the tournament and the very first fight of the movie, whoever the main, whoever one of the villains is, just beat a mer, little bit of words are hard mercilessly, <laughs> mercilessly beats the ever living crap and murders Cole Young, and he's just gone. Cole Young was a completely wasted opportunity. I hate that character and I do not understand and why he's in it. Also. The makers of the movie don't like that character. They've gone on record saying it was a studio mandate to put Cole Young in the movie. So we have an audience surrogate. I'm going, wow, that's incredibly stupid. Way to just trust your audience there. Um, Yeah, kill Cole Young off in the first round of the fight, please. Um, I'm interested. I, I do believe this will be an HBO Max exclusive, though, because the first one made money. But not enough at the box office to be a financial benefit in that way. However, in a streaming sense, it was huge for them. I think it still holds true that Mortal Kombat was the most streamed movie ever on HBO Max. Over the Snyder Cut, Like Mortal Kombat wiped everything else out in terms of... (laughs) It was a fatality for everything else with... When Mortal Kombat Boo. was streamed, it,
1: <laughs>
0: it just crushed everything, crushed with a K, obviously. It crushed everything else that came out, which is bizarre. I think that's more of people are going, I don't know if I want to see this in theaters, but hey, it's on streaming. I'll watch it at home, which, you know, yeah. guilty. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I didn't love the first one, but I think this is a smart move, especially when HBO Max is desperately in need of movies. They've been doing pretty well with shows like Peacemaker's Good. I've never watched it, but I know Euphoria with Zendaya is like a huge show for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't hear a lot about HBO Max movies, except for the ones that are released theatrically. Like Disney Plus, you still hear about some shows that they've got. Netflix, well, I would say you hear about Netflix movies, but Netflix doesn't have an advertising department. Um, As someone that went on record saying mortal Kombat was one of their least favorite movies of 2021 josh are you even remotely intrigued by the prospect of a sequel sure like wow
1: i i I think while i see there are possibilities um they have kind of put themselves in a spot in a couple ways in a couple different ways as far as storytelling wise and like the like their new this audience surrogate character that they created like it just nobody's here for him so bring in your johnny cage give us like all kinds of st- char- good characters and like i don't know maybe not change lore um that would be cool too just don't do that um yeah i don't know I
0: will... it's fine
1: I, I i i wish i had like more of, a, of an opinion about this but like at the end of the day like the movie was really pretty crap like you know what i mean like the the the, the choreograph the car cho- now i can't talk the choreograph, mm. the fight scenes were not, <laughs> were not well done
0: <laughs> I was the, choir to that, the choir yeah, it,
1: it did not work uh but no like I like there's there's not well done like they just there's some cool stuff that happens but ultimately nothing becomes of it i don't know it's i guess sure i could i think i'm with you i think it, the only way it can happen is if it's an hbo max exclusive um i don't see it being i mean, i don't see it going to the theaters honestly
0: i will say they teased this with johnny cage at the end of the first one i will riot in the streets if they do not cast the miz as johnny cage because one the man has been calling for that for years and two that is like J.K. Simmons as Jones Jameson levels of perfect casting of you literally have a douchebag that thinks he's an actor in action movies. And in reality, no one likes him. Am I describing The Miz? Am I describing Johnny Cage? No one knows. Um, <laughs> God, It just would fit See, too well. And here's the thing. I'm going to completely go... Out of left field. If you can't get the Miz, get Chris Hemsworth, because I can just see Chris Hemsworth being that kind yeah. of moronic douchebag. But then there goes your entire budget. So maybe not. Where's the Miz? It can't be that hard to hire a Miz. He made like three Marine movies and Santa's Little Helper. So clearly, he has no standards for movies.
1: I mean, yeah, but like casting the Miz feels very like Nick and, N- Nathan Fillion all over again of like see he's perfect for it see see he's But it's like i mean i guess but at least he's upset about something
0: um, about not casting <laughs> about yeah, not yeah casting. That's, that's what
1: she's upset about that's what it is uh but you know it's i i, I personally i think chris evans would be better also maybe. can they
0: afford him yeah that's are you just thinking thing. scott pilgrim
1: which, um I saw that that was announced, sorry, this is not on topic at all, but like I saw that was doing an animated show based off the comics, and I yeah. was like, oh, Nathan would actually probably enjoy that.
0: No, because I still the hate the character.
1: No, the, he's so much better in the comics.
0: It's Still, the crux of the story is terrible.
1: I mean, you're not, yeah, okay. Well.
0: <laughs> so Josh will probably struggle to care about the Mortal Kombat <laughs> sequel. I struggle to care about Fast and Furious. I have seen one quote unquote Fast and Furious movie in my life and it was Hobbs and Shaw, which I'm still not entirely clear as to whether or not The Rock will return for those movies. He's just not coming up for the main franchise. I'm I don't know. But what happens when your Samoan drops out of your franchise? You just find another one as Jason Momoa has been cast in Fast 10 and I'm going okay. So So are you no longer chasing the car buffs demographic and going for the car buffs wife's demographic? Because this is how you get both the husbands and the wives to go to your car movie. But not me, because as much as I love Jason Momoa, no thanks. I I don't care. Unless, unless I saw somebody pitch this online and I kind of want nothing else now. They're calling this one Fast and Furious 10. What they should call it is "Fast Tenure Seatbelts," and I'm going. I "I would immediately drop all the cash in the world if that (laughs) is the name of Fast Ten. Is "Fast Tenure Seatbelts," and it's the. No, no.
1: There's just I think, and this is like this is my biggest issue with the Fast and Furious movies. Is at this point, like we went to space in the last movie. Like, where are we supposed to go now? Like to an onto the sea. That's, yeah, you bring Jason, oh no, bring Jason in, and he's like an aquamarine bi, bi, biologist. Um, an aquamarine, I'm just a marine biologist, he's not a Yes, yeah, so he's an aquamarine um, <laughs> biologist, we're getting
0: Emma Roberts, which, yes gosh. guys, I just made an aquamarine reference for those 2005 babies out there. Jeez, there's like,
1: god, no, I don't want, I don't want, oh, do you know the, oh my gosh. Do you remember that game? It's an arcade game that's like speedboats
0: racing. Oh, Aquamarine like... was 2006,
1: by the way. Oh, nice. we proud of you. I, I was going to
0: say 2006, but 2005 sounded better. But still, like, AMR it Roberts. was
1: like, like Thunder, Thunderclap or something like that. It's like racing, like, race boats. I just, I don't hate the idea. And I'm kind of mad at myself for liking it now.
0: Speedboats.
1: I... Yeah, like. They'll just be, oh, so I, I don't know why I'm mad. I don't want to care, but I like they're gonna find a way.
0: Oh yeah, they're gonna have like a speedboat chase, and yep. he'll hop from car from like speedboat to speedboat. So my question will now be like, okay, so whose family member is this? Because everything has to be connected somehow. Yeah, or they could be like, because family. Be like, they'll say on camera, <laughs> oh man, it's a shame. Luke Hobbs looks directly at the camera. It's a shame Luke Hobbs died. Good thing we have his cousin. Man, it's a real shame Luke Hobbs died, and there's no way he's coming back. He got blown up in a volcano.
1: <laughs> they give him the uh, the the origin of uh of what is it uh Macho Man or whatever from um from Despicable Me two. What? The guy that like yeah in Despicable Me two. I highly
0: doubt his name is Macho Man though. Not
1: Macho Man, but it was like it's something something Macho. When he like rides a miss rides a shark with missiles taped all over him into a, vul- a, a volcano. El macho. That El macho. El Macho. Okay, okay. But like literally, like I was like, I can just see <laughs> they do. They give they give Luke Cobb's that <laughs> that that background. <laughs> it's too bad he won't be around anymore. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge.
0: Well. Why do I absolutely see them doing that? Of like because pretending that Hobbs is, has died because these they're that petty, and then somehow, some way, if Vin Diesel is no longer attached to the franchise and they got the Rock back, they'll be like, "Nope, he was alive the whole time." Because you know they've already done it with at least one of their characters. They'll be like, "Hey, weren't you, weren't you killed by that guy in Hobbs and Shaw?" Nah, man, I'm alive. How? The plot needed me to be alive, and fans wanted me <laughs> alive. What do you bring to the table? I'm alive and I'm Asian. I'm diverse. Go ahead.
1: But, like, he, and that's, he's Han such a cool do Han doesn't do anything. Han doesn't no, do anything. He's such a cool character, though, and it's like, oh gosh, come on. I, mm, like, I understand. Hot hashtag plot requires this to happen.
0: But then we'll never have him meet We'll never have him meet Jason Statham Like Jason Statham for some reason after Hobbs and Shaw Is completely good Again, Uh, I want to care Because I love Jason Momoa He's such a cool dude But this just feels like Okay, we lost The Rock Uh, Okay, who's the next guy on the list Of most attractive dude That we can potentially buy Jason Momoa Works for me and then I would laugh so hard if in the next, like, two, three weeks, Jason Momoa drops out due to scheduling conflicts and Vin Diesel starts <laughs> a whole new beef with Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa and the Rock tag team against Vin Diesel and Tyree Skipson, WrestleMania 40. Let's make it happen.
1: <laughs> I think that's so funny, too, because Jason Momoa would be the only one that has hair. <laughs>
0: And then all of, a sudden, else is all of a sudden, halfway through the match, Ludacris comes in with a steel chair. He looks like he's about to hit The Rock. He hits Vin Diesel. Oh, my God. Ludacris is teamed up. It's a new NWO. They're going to take over the Fast and Furious franchise, WrestleMania 41, for control of the Fast franchise, The Rock versus Vin <laughs> Diesel, one-on-one at WrestleMania. Roman oh, Reigns man. in the corner of The Rock because of Hobbs and Shaw. Vince McMahon because... He got confused and thought Vin Diesel was Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he sold, the, he sold his company, so he's got nothing else to do now. He sold it to Peacock. <laughs> and Peacock mandated this match. Oh, no. I just can't. <laughs> Speaking, just because we're I'm talking kind of about having way too much rock, fun with this topic. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the only way to, to have a good time with it. Um, did you see, I recently saw an interview with um, John Cena talking about, uh when he was calling the rock apart timer and like cared more about the mm-hmm. movie business and all that and i was like and he if he bas- for those who haven't seen it he basically says like i i feel bad because i didn't understand how much time and the commitment and the contracts involved that go into to, into movies and he's like i understand now like if you get injured like that's costing hundreds of people their jobs and like that's super irresponsible so like i understand it was just like it was such a cool like moment especially with john who's been through a lot in the industry like he used to like get typecasted a lot and kind of still is but like
0: yeah still he, is he
1: he has way more fun with it now and he he's not like uh austin who was like man i'm getting typecasted this is stupid i hate this whereas john cena's
0: like Let me "I'm start getting typecasted, podcast. yeah <laughs> and barely do
1: any episodes Ah,
0: like and it'll be called <clears throat> something else every couple of years
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, because he gets never mind. I'm not going there. Yeah, uh, but it was just it, it was just
0: cool. It was just really cool to
1: see like John actually having like understanding finally what goes all goes into the movie business. And speaking of the movie business, let's uh, go
0: transition, man. Yeah. Speaking of movie business, we have movie related shirts. I don't know. We have movie related <laughs> stuff. Uh, T Public <laughs> is your one stop shop for Uncharted Media merch. It's where the magic happens just like movie magic so if you want your movie magic on your shirt get some uncharted media (laughs) merch uncharted media magic ooh Ooh. uncharted media magic wear that support the show be awesome have a great day now we're about to ruin your day by talking about (laughs) movie creativity being dead yeah or is it because I still to this day defend that People are like, oh, we get too many reboots, sequels, and everything else. I'm going, no, you're just paying attention to it more because that's what the online discourse would tell you to believe. We have more original content now and original ideas and shows and movies than ever before, but people only seem to focus on the ones because, and rightly so, they make the most amount of money. But also, remakes, reboots, sequels, and everything else – is nothing new to the industry as much as we like put the invisible man and all the other universal monsters, like on a pedestal of like, Oh, they're the horror legends. They're one of the OGs in terms of outstaying their welcome with God awful horror sequels. We don't talk about the invisible man returns with Vincent price or the mummy's ghost or the mummy's hand. Like (laughs) sequels have always been a thing. We just like to complain about them now more because we have online sources to talk about them. But also, (laughs) there's a lot to go with this, but the crux of our argument is, is creativity in movies as dead as we seem to think it is? Because so many people I see complain about, there's nothing new in Hollywood, there's nothing original in Hollywood anymore, to which I still stand on my podium and scream to the void going... You claim there's nothing new in Hollywood because you don't go out and support it. It does exist. (laughs) You just have to go out and find it. Like, to me, and this is one of my bullet points that I wanted to make sure we talked about today, is one of my big issues with movies today is people complained of there's nothing new or nothing fresh in Hollywood. And then when something new and fresh does come out, they're like, eh, doesn't look interesting. I don't want to see it. Then it's your own fault The new stuff doesn't get made. Like, yeah. when new ideas or concepts come out, go see it. Go support it. Uh, I don't know where to start with this. We've got a lot of stuff that we could potentially yeah. talk about. We don't have a structure for this like we have for some other podcasts. We just kind of wanted to – I don't want to say vent but kind of analyze the different aspects of the creative process to movies because there's both good and bad I think currently – and we'll, yeah. we'll try and address both
1: well so let's like go ahead and just talk about like the issue slash non-issue of remakes reboots and sequels um because like as much as we want to sit here and be like oh, man like and it is an issue in the sense that you know the uh, company studios will always do remakes and reboots and sequels because well um demographically and financially they almost always make their money back plus some. almost always very rarely does a remake or a reboot not make its money back and you don't even have to look at marvel for marvel for, for that i mean as much as we didn't like it the female ghostbusters movie still made its budget back because it was a product, it was a, a IP that people are familiar with. Brand and recognition in, is key, mm-hmm, and people were interested enough in it to be like, "Okay, cool, let's go see what they do with this." And I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing. I think you and I, as big like big uh, car- cartoon fans, big um, comic book readers, like, and just book reading in general, if you. I'm okay with a remake or a reboot. If you like, I don't know, pre- present it in another way. Um, I, an example I heard recently was like uh, the alien and aliens, like alien one and two, the first one, very much, much a monster movie, very much a horror film. Whereas the second one's very much a sci-fi action film. And while those on paper can seem to be very, very, very similar it, it, they're very very different in tone and and uh budget even and even marketing um so yeah i i, I don't know if if you can i know for a fact you, we can't say like oh like is it, it are they sequels and reboots and all that becoming more prevalent now and stuff like that but like because you can't say that because it's always been around it's always been a thing um and i think this kind of dabbles into the conversation of um like is is there an original idea anymore and the answer is no, no but like it ha there hasn't been quote unquote an original idea for a millennia because that's not and that's and it's hard to say that and be like well yeah that's a bad thing obviously because original content's the only thing that matters blah blah, blah 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 but like at the same time everything's gonna nod to something you can't help that like you're always pulling for something. As much as people want to pretend like book movies are quote unquote original content, they're still pulled from a book. That's not that's not technically original.
0: Yeah, Quentin Tarantino's made his whole career just stealing from other people. Yeah, it's and to be fair, people bash Tarantino for just stealing from other movies, but everything is inspired by something else, and everything kind of has its basis. Like early days of cinema were not original ideas either. Why did the Universal Monster movies work? Because they were already being adapted from previous existing source material. The Invisible Man, written by H.G. Wells, uh, Dracula by Bram Stoker, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, Gaston Leroux with Phantom of the Opera. They all had literary basis, so even then, they don't have original concepts. One of the most beloved movies of all time, The Wizard of Oz, comes from L. Frank Baum's book, Granted, it's very different, but Mm -hmm. even the early days of cinema were based off of something else. And even then, if you want to go off this whole nothing is truly original, that whole concept of nothing is original has been noted before of um, Star Wars creative George Lucas was heavily inspired by the works of a man named Joseph Campbell, whose book The Hero of a Thousand Faces basically Mm -hmm. breaks down the whole concept that every story is rooted in certain thematic elements that basically applies to any mold, whether that's Luke Skywalker, Frodo, Harry Potter. They all more or less follow a specific story trajectory. And that's not inherently bad. It's why we cater to them, because we as a culture like stories. Mm -hmm. It's also the issue of people will only complain about sequels, If they think they're going to be bad or if they think they will come somehow, quote-unquote, ruin the original. Unless this reboot or remake is going back and, like, burning the film of the original. Like, no prints will ever be available. It will not ruin the original. You will still have the original to go off of. Like, if you don't like the new female Ghostbusters, it doesn't have to be canon to you. Um And more often than not, I won't say more often than not because some sequels are bad. But a lot of the times with remakes or sequels or whatever else, it can bring something fresh and new to the table. I really liked Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I don't like the original. Yeah. I there'll be, There's plenty of times that I actually prefer the sequel or the remake over the original because they brought something new and fresh, and there was a different style and tone to it. I don't really care for the original Ocean's Eleven. I love the Ocean's Trilogy 11 12 and 13. I've said before that I will die on this hill and Josh will die with me that the Karate Kid remake is better than the original movie, but no yeah. one wants no one wants to accept those facts uh, because of nostalgia, which is another really big part of this discussion I think of creativity and nostalgia can be a is a tool essentially. It can be used for good. Or it could be used for bad. I've seen too many people though that complain that nostalgia is a negative thing of like, man, this movie referenced the original way too much. I'm going if it makes someone happy and it fits the story, why are you poo-pooing that concept? Well, like that so is. many people were just like The Force Awakens is just copying a new hope. Yeah, that's that's kind of the point thematically. But it made a lot of people happy because it was a type of Star Wars that they had missed for so long that wasn't present in the prequels. So if it makes someone happy, isn't that the point of the movie is to tell a story and to make people happy? People only complain about a sequel or lack of creativity when it doesn't fit their specific mold. Spoiler alert, guys. You don't make movies. There's a reason you don't make movies. It's because as much as josh and i will complain about storytelling and certain things we will never be as good as a actual film screenwriter or screen director it's it's like being a backseat quarterback after a losing game when your team just lost i could sit back and go well here's why the chiefs lost it's because pat mahomes got cocky in the second half i am not patrick mahomes i know it that's a shock to some people he can throw it more (laughs) than 10 feet um the only difference between me and Pat Mahomes is about half a billion dollars, but um. But you will never know what it's like being a professional athlete or a professional coach. Same thing with movies. You can say, oh, I could have made a better script. Have you tried before? Yeah. I have several friends. One very, very close to this podcast is working on some scripts for stuff. One that's actually had a book published, and I've talked to him about story stuff before, and it's so much different talking to someone that actually writes as opposed to people that just have ideas there's thinkers Mm -hmm. and there's doers and there's so many armchair quarterbacks out there that aren't actually quarterbacks because armchair quarterbacks just move their arm to pick up their drink that's that's my phrase i'm gonna go with that's why they're armchair (laughs) quarterbacks
1: well so let's let's steer a little bit here um do you remember that comment and then the resulting article that followed by Martin Scorsese saying that the Marvel films were, were not cinema? They're not. They're you know you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. and, and the whole uproar up, uproar that the all the whole Marvel industry can, can, like fan base had was like ah but
0: no they're movies blah 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 and and, and guess what people God. he's right Dude, he's a hundred percent right and that's okay so- that he says that.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting to me because I, I I hadn't read the article, so I went I actually this afternoon read, went and read the article, and it was so interesting to me because the, the more I thought about it, the more I agreed. Um, because as my, and I might be a little biased in that as much as I love Marvel films, they're not gonna be do my, you not gonna they're not gonna be my favorites ever. I think, and, like, the, the more and more I thought about it, like, my a lot of my favorite movies are more of what Martin Scorsese would consider cinema. Like, I think the difference is is pretty big, is you're not... I, 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 I don't have the skill to kind of put a side-by-side comparison there, but, like, something like Wes Anderson films are very specific. They've got a very specific, like particular tone like they shot a very specific way they the color palettes a specific way like that is definitely storytelling where it's like I it's and that's not to say that it's not to say that that Marvel films are not storytelling that's not at it at all but they're definitely especially in these ever since, you know and the the lead up to Endgame and Infinity War and honestly the, the movies since then so far are very much lean harder into the action set pieces than they do the, the personal emotions whereas cinema always seems to be more and focus more on human emotions or or the emotions of the scene or the tensions of the scene when while and, and that's I'm not saying I feel like I have to like defend myself against the the, the oh, Marvel no. fandom that's like in the wings. Like, I I'm agree not with you that there are not emotional moments and not emotionally uh, p- moments in Marvel that don't have a good payoff. But at the same time. And I don't think I, I've been I haven't been quiet about this. And if anything, if anybody's been listening to the podcast for any you know stretch of time, will know that I like I'm very critical of Marvel films because I, sometimes they set up emotional premises and then don't deliver on them at all. Uh, and like the it's kind of like and it's something I'm learning right now when you were talking about there's a difference between people who talk about writing and then who actually write. And it's a lot of stuff I'm learning right now in trying to write a book is that like, Oh, I didn't know half of what about storytelling is what I thought I did. It's very easy to say, you know, like, yeah, I know how to tell a story, but yeah. But can you tell an interesting story? And I think that sometimes like, that's, that's me is what Martin Scorsese is saying. Like, the Marvel is telling stories and sometimes they're good stories, but are they ever great stories? Is the the, I think the question and that's not to say you're to like, yeah, DC is better, better because right now in the movies, they are not. Um, but it's just, yeah, it, it's, there's, it's definitely hard to tell stories. And I think sometimes it's easy to be an armchair quarterback with, 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 when it comes to films, especially when it comes to original content, because you think, you know what they should be doing here.
0: Yeah. Uh, and any year, I always try and make a distinction of I have my favorite movie and then I have the best movie. Because just mm-hmm. because something's my favorite, I will see that it's different th- from a technical standpoint. Like 2021, my favorite movie by far was Spider Man No Way Home. But was it the most technically well made, like all around great movie? No, not necessarily by any means. I think a perfect example is 2019. Probably my favorite movie of the year is uh, Avengers Endgame in terms of just sheer joy and fun, like Mm -hmm. being on a roller coaster, like Martin with said with his analogy. Mm -hmm. My actual, like, this is the best made movie. It's a masterpiece for 2019 was Knives Out. I loved Knives Out, but I loved it differently than I loved Endgame. It's a technical filmmaking perspective. One is not better than the other. They're just different styles. It's like comparing Skittles to a filet mignon. You can love both of them. They're just made differently and meant to be consumed differently. You are not substituting one meal with Skittles. Skittles are not a meal. That being said, they can be your favorite thing to eat. But that does not mean they're necessarily made the same way. I love Taco Bell. I will never say that Taco Bell is the best made food in the world because I would have the smallest palate in the world if that was the case. You can go to an <laughs> actual Mexican restaurant who probably makes the food better using better ingredients, better composition. they It's just better Papa food. Charles. You say Papa John's?
1: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's, their, it's their commercial. Better ingredients <laughs> Papa John's. Crappy ownership, <laughs> Papa John's. Really racist people. Got but it. You,
0: but you see what I mean? There's a difference between Taco yeah, Bell yeah, yeah, yeah. and your actual authentic Mexican restaurant down the street. Uh, and same with movies. You will have one that's made a very specific way and is meant to be consumed a specific way. It's The issue comes in of movies that are made a specific way that think they should be consumed a different way. And thankfully, Marvel, well, up until the Eternals at least, never tried to be something that it wasn't. I still have not seen Eternals yet, but the number one thing that always bothered me about the marketing campaign was, this is unlike any Marvel movie you've seen before. like, really hyping it up that, like, this could be an awards contender. I'm just going... Let the audience decide for itself. It's kind of the issues that I've had with some movies of like, it's the greatest movie of all time. I'm like, we didn't say Michael Jordan was the greatest player of all time in his first year. You need time to see the big picture. You need time away from it to fully analyze something and see that, yes, they're the greatest. And even then, Jordan is the greatest for his era. I will never say one specific player or one specific movie is the greatest of all time because – Everything changes over time. I know some people will be like, "Citizen Kane is the greatest movie of all time."
1: <laughs>
0: filmmaking styles, filmmaking styles have changed so much since that film came out. Even flashback till the early 2000s. Thank God we've changed our film styles from then. Early 2000s was a very dark time for movies, but it's. Sometimes with movies, you just have to look at big picture. And I think so often, especially with the rise of social media, you look at everything in a microcosm of everything is either the best thing ever, all praise be to this property, or, oh, dear God, why did this thing get made? It's the worst thing ever. It does not have any redeeming qualities whatsoever. It's like some things are just made the way that they are, and that is okay. I love Nicolas Cage's Willy's Wonderland. That is exactly... What it is trying to be, and that is fine. It's meant to be consumed in a very specific way.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, because we're we're talking about older films and how they're made a little different, blah blah blah. Um, I, I I've got a couple friends that I know listen to the podcast. So I'm going to call them out in my my do it ex- explicit hate of Scarface. Um, I <laughs> do not like that movie. I don't under and like I just. And maybe it's... I need to watch... I still haven't seen Godfather, but I also don't like mafia films. I don't like gangster films. I don't understand them. I don't get it. I, I don't... it Like, that, that like... Weird bra- bra- bravado that comes with being, like, a gangster is so weird. It's why, like... I wanted to enjoy the crap out of Peaky Blinders. Like all the characters are so interesting, but like the gangster mafia mentality in that, in that show and in those types of movies doesn't resonate with me. And I don't get it. And I understand that comes down to like a level of taste, but at the same time, I just don't like Scarface. I don't think it's good. And the character's not a good person. And uh, yeah, I get it. You yeah, know that get that that's what it's a cautionary tale. Blah blah blah. Same thing with Wolf of Wall Street. And sorry, that doesn't make for a good story. It doesn't make it for an interesting story. And like especially when it comes to Wolf of Wall Street, when the guy is still out of jail and didn't anyway.
0: That, yeah, that, I, that, I I that, also struggle with other... Wolf of Wall Street because I remember we went to the same college and they actually. Somebody made a huge deal. I remember it was one of the few chapels that like really stuck in my mind. Of someone, Wolf of Wall Street had just come out, and so the whole university was split because the um, speaker that day had talked about the Wolf of Wall Street and how evil it was. To which you know the film bubble of campus is just like, no, that's the whole point of the movie. Great. I had not seen it yet, so I was yeah hearing a whole bunch of people defend Wolf of Wall Street, and I see it, and I'm going, you know, the college is kind of right. They don't really show enough of the cost of this lifestyle it does kind of glorify it um but it's funny you bring up scarface there's a great john mulaney sketch he he also shares your opinion he's just like i hate when people lump scarface in with better movies they're like oh i love the godfather and scarface that's like saying i love salmon and skittles like (laughs) what is those you and skittles references today bro (laughs) the skittles thing actually was a john mulaney reference so it comes full circle he actually did mention skittles by heart that's where kind of where we're coming in my brain um so we're taking it from like trying to explain it from a studio perspective of well creativity really is not that dead um nothing new there's in the words of david there's nothing new under the sun we shall all die someday basically in the words of Vince McMahon, life sucks. There's gonna keep being reboots, and then you die. Now <laughs> let's look at it from the whiny fans perspective, because we want to show both sides of the coin here and kind of yell and scream at big companies and why big companies kind of do this. And to me, right now, the biggest um the biggest offender, so to speak, of this playing it safe mentality is absolutely disney there's a reason why i put this as the graphic for this week because unfortunately for the past few years it feels like disney is run by a safe committee so to speak mm-hmm. um especially with remakes they um they really want to remake live action stuff except treasure planet and atlantis dang it the ones <laughs> that actually make sense yeah because uh, that would admit that they were wrong about the movies the first time around, um, but they want to remake these movies, but not so they want to change some stuff, but not so much stuff that people get alienated because that's how we lose money. But at the same time, they're not. It's fine to remake stuff so long as you're t- adding something new to the story. And either they do, and it's not an element that was particularly asked for or needed or benefited the story. Case in point, when they remade Beauty and the Beast a few years ago. Good God, I didn't care how and why bell's mom died that doesn't bring anything to the table we don't need to know about the plague how is that relevant it's mm-hmm. it's not at all um but and i'll still defend this song till the day i die, die the song that beast sings when she leaves to go back to town yes. that is a that good song. addition to the story it shows his side his sadness and anguish as opposed to him just kind of mope being around until the village comes to attack him in the finale it gives him urgency it gave some story. That's an example of adding to the story. I'm not the biggest beating the Beast fan, but I'll defend um that song specifically. One, because Dan Stevens absolutely crushed it. And two, yeah. it actually adds emotional resonance to the story. Or the jungle book. I still say that's the best Disney live action remake. The the John Favreau one, not the terrifying '90s one with Jason <laughs> Scott Lee, because I hate I, that I, movie.
1: I have weird like PTSD memories of that of that movie. No, no, every no. Now and
0: then. I have actual PTSD from that movie <laughs> because oh, screw man. that movie. Jason Scott Lee's The Jungle Book is actually the reason why I'm deathly afraid of snakes. I am afraid of snakes to no end because of this stupid movie. I hate the Jungle. Jo- well. The movie's okay, uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, I really have a hate relationship with that movie because it created my fear of snakes. But the the new Jungle Book, um, it did something different. It it updated the outdated, so to speak, in the yes. original Jungle Book. Because there's certain elements of the out of the original Jungle Book that just Either don't hold up anymore from a cultural standpoint or don't hold up from a we care about these elements in a story perspective. I think also we as an audience – and I've wanted to do this as a podcast episode in and of itself that we might do at a later date. But I it's a question that I, I'll pose on a later podcast episode. But whatever happened to the average blockbuster of oh. your Independence Day, your The Mummy? Nowadays, people either really, really love it or people really don't. And I feel like a big part of that is audiences getting smarter. Looking back at, like, the original Jungle Book or the original Robin Hood. Well, the Fox Robin Hood, not the Errol Flynn one, which is a masterpiece. Like, those, that era of Disney, they cared about different things that audiences nowadays don't care about as much. They're, like, looking at, I was about to say they cared about the animation, but even then they reused some of the animation. But, like, audiences now are more savvy because they watch stuff on youtube Mm -hmm. they listen to podcasts they're more it's kind of like how the internet killed wrestling or Mm -hmm. dirt sheet wrestling basically everyone's in the know now about wrestling like it's fake they know the inner workings of wrestling like scripts and everything else they know leaks weeks ahead of time i would say it's fully like that in the movie industry but it kind of is of people are smarter when consuming their products now of i want this i want stories to follow these specific beats and I think that's kind of where some dissonance is, is with the remakes: is people are wanting to go, okay, I want the movie that I love, but just plus up the story more, make me more invested. Like the first Lion King is outstanding. Didn't know how he could top that, but I loved the original Jungle, the newer Jungle Books, so I figured they could do it. They didn't because they didn't add anything story wise. I think that's part of why people initially. Because Disney remakes all have the same trajectory. You question why this movie is getting made. First trailer comes out. Hey, that actually doesn't look too bad. Finally get around to seeing it. Well, that sucked. I won't be fooled into that again. Oh, they're making another one. Oh, the trailer looks good. Guess I'll see it. Oh, that sucked. Won't let that happen again. <laughs> yeah. And then you keep holding out for the... Okay, maybe this will be the one that they get it right. Maybe this will be the one that they get it right. And they've had some that are decent to yeah above I mean, aladdin, average like aladdin wasn't oh bad. god aladdin overdelivered. like
1: that was uh that aladdin was one i think i've I've been the most i was the most worried about because i don't yeah. particularly care for lion king uh i i'm kind of a little uh not upset but like questioning I, questioning why they didn't pull more from the broadway show because broadway show adds a lot of depth um but yeah, like Aladdin, like it was, it was the one, especially with Will Smith. Those are some big shoes to fill for him. And honestly, I don't, I didn't mind him as mm-hmm. genie. It was still hard, obviously, because Robin Williams' genie is so iconic. It's hard to see anybody else. And I think that might be why uh, people are kind of standoffish a little bit to Cortana, and our first, our first viewing of her, because we do have this. No, hey, hold on, that's not what we're used to okay, hold on. And like, while that is warranted, I think it is up to us to be like, okay, let's give this a chance and, and, but at the same time, I agree. I think as an audience, we are far smarter than I think some studios give us credit for. And I think whatever they, the big thing when it comes to Disney remakes um, is because they keep calling them remakes and not like reimaginings or, or, or reboots or something, you know, like Saying a remake means, "Hey guys, we're gonna do this, but different," and that uh, would mean, "Okay, cool. What are the op? What are the opportunities here? What all could happen?" And so then we, as a community, as a movie-going community, sit so there and discuss it and go, "Okay, cool. Well, would be cool if they added this detail in, or this this is from the books that this this is related on. Let's throw that in." Blah 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 blah, and then we go and see see the movie, and they've done. Either absolutely nothing different, or they've made it so different it's unrecognizable. It just feels not only an insult to us, but it feels like to, an insult to this property that we that we as an audience care for, which is the only reason that they remain something. So it, it it feels like a like a well, like an insult to us.
0: You know what I mean? We're getting in the negative of uh, they remake it because we still see them. Like Yeah, absolutely. It's the brand recognition. This isn't isn't just for Disney, but the reason we are seeing remakes, reboots, sequels all over the place, and it feels like there's nothing original anymore is because we keep going back to the well of nostalgia baiting, which is both good and bad. Again, nostalgia is not inherently bad. It is how you used to choose to use it. Case in point, I will say that one of the best uses of nostalgia in recent memory is Cobra Kai. You have a show that its whole premise sounds, and I'm stealing this from Honest Trailer because it's true, Cobra Kai sounds like a funnier die sketch, essentially, of <laughs> what if Johnny Lawrence came back 30 years later and reopened Cobra Kai but then becomes best friends with Daniel and they fight John Kreese and the guy from Karate Kid 3 all over again. That sounds terrible, but what you use to make the story work is is new blood and story subversions there's so many times in cobra kai that i'm watching it going ah this is a fun homage to the original oh you pivoted in a different direction mm-hmm. but the pivots make sense one because of the story that they're telling but two it because of the narrative of cobra kai is like don't make the same mistakes of your predecessors when the story doesn't make the same mistakes as the original movies it's like doubly effective because it's the characters but also the the show is not making the same mistakes that we ourselves saw like yeah daniel's not a likable person in the actually i was supposed to say in the original karate kid in any of the original karate kids <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's kind of not a good person but they address that and work that into the story and it, and it works for the betterment or one of the, thing, the best things about cobra kai is karate kid 3 is not well regarded by a lot of people they remember Terry Silver and Mike Barnes, but other than that, it's not particularly great. Or John Kreese could be viewed, the guy, the bad guy from the original movie, was viewed as very 80s cliche, cheesy villain. But then when you get a TV show that loves the source material, they go, okay, here's are some areas that the character worked, and here's some characters that he didn't back then with the storytelling style that was prevalent when the movie originally came out. Let's fit him into the mold of storytelling today. Let's flesh him out because people care about fleshed out characters. I'm not saying audiences weren't as savvy back in the 80s, but people didn't care so much if your characters were fleshed out. And that's okay. Look at – I'm going to piss some people off. Look at Luke Skywalker in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. He's not interesting. He's really not. He's do not. He doesn't get interesting until his story progresses over time. Han Solo is far more interesting. That's why more people like Han Solo, I think, than Luke Skywalker at first. But the same thing with Cobra Kai. Let's give John Kreese actual motive. Hey, he hated Miyagi. Let's give him an actual reason because, you know, he served over Vietnam and he still has some subtle racism in him. That makes sense there. Why does he want to train up these people? Because he still thinks there's a war going on because he hasn't fully emotionally recovered from the trauma that he's seen in his past. That's just good comprehensible storytelling but also at the same time introducing a new level next generation aspect of it that just it'll get your younger audiences in and then from a business perspective money because then you can spin those characters off that that's where you can make that happy medium because movie studios and audiences want two different things audiences want good movies studios want money they don't care if it's a good story or not, most of the time. Sometimes they will. But the reason they'll push for a good story is because they want more money. There can be a happy medium there. So we get yeah. to
1: Yeah. I and see what's so interesting to me is that like in when it comes to movies, right? If your movie's not good, you can still make your money back easily. And, Transformers. But, and, yeah. <clears throat> Don't even get me started. Um,
0: if you start losing money in America, just sell your movie overseas. They'll buy it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Transformers um, model.
1: What's so interesting to me, though, is like if you look at like I don't know comics or or just books in general. If your story is not good, you don't sell. If you have se- the second, you you lose your readers. You don't make money, and it's so interesting to me that movies have become this thing that that it's very obvious and whenever and i know we talked kind of negatively at audience the double standard and stuff like that but like in a lot of ways they're very justified like yo like we're not stupid please stop treating us like that and give us a good story give us something we can wrap our head our sink our teeth into and you know for the unfortunately in so, a lot of ways the the marketing on, on a lot of these movies that people can seek their sink their teeth into is not good movies mm. like apps uh, uh, silver Linings play, playbook the marketing was not good on it but i personally enjoy the crap out of the did not the
0: film. enjoy it
1: and that's fine i don't blame you on that but at the same time i i don't think okay because there's a lot of like okay wes anderson films are, I always come back to them because they're, they're very like kooky and quirky and, but the marketing is almost, you get a trailer and it's basically like trailer for movie. Wes Anderson's doing it. And everybody's like, Oh yeah, got it. Okay. <laughs> I know what I'm in for. But Basically at this point, if you haven't seen a Wes Anderson film and you're like, Oh, I mean, I don't know what I'm, what I'm in for i don't know what to tell you bro there's been like four or five like six or seven of them and they're almost all the same but like it's always a good that's like and that's the weird part about it and this is why maybe i'm very critical about studios whenever they do remakes and stuff like that that feel very very half-hearted wes anderson basically makes the same movie every single time give or take uh there's always a different setting different character motivations blah 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 style wise it's always the same movie but it's always interesting and it's always fascinating to watch the characters are always like people that you want to spend more screen time with but like when and and maybe this is where the frustration of remakes comes from when several remakes slash reboots come out and we as the audience see that they're they're quite transparently done just to uh i don't know like fantastic fantastic four or sorry fan four stick just the rights just to keep the rights it's like so that seems so like like a waste of of resources i think too for us as a movie going populace of being like so instead of being like hey we're in a position where we've got to keep the rights of this film Let's, I don't know, go ahead and at least make a comparable movie. Let's make something that's entertaining. Uh, let's do, let's make some changes to the story, which I don't hate the changes that they made, but the executioner is terrible. And instead of making a good movie, they make one that's, and it's, unfortunately, there's a lot of, especially when it comes to fan four stick there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that, that happened. But at the same time, the studio didn't seem to do anything to care about it any more than they to to make, try to make it a good film at all. So it was like, so you're just doing this to make money. And I think for us as the audience, that's what gets us us upset of like, you don't care about the product that you're putting out. And that really makes me mad. It's kind of, I think why I get upset about book of Boba Fett is because you have some great content here. Like I've said this a, a couple times now that, there's a lot of good stuff in Book of Boba Fett, but because of how it's packaged, because of how it's set up in the story plot, plot lines, it doesn't make sense and it's not entertaining. And that's why as much as I enjoyed it, I'm it almost made me mad that they brought that episode five is a complete Mandalorian episode. Like, I love that episode,
0: but it doesn't belong there. So it's like, okay, cool, whatever, dude. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, as an audience we it's gonna be a weird analogy but go with me for you disney fans out there in any famous disney partnership you always had the heart and you had the brain walt disney was the heart roy disney was the brain and the money guy how does this happen michael eisner was the heart towards the end he was the heart failure and but then you had um oh the man that passed away in the plane crash um he was the brain guy you need you need the two sides of the coins that work together audiences are the heart we are the emotional core that wants to get sucked in we want to see this we want to see this and then the studios essentially are the business that makes that happen it's not quite the same relationship because we're still a business and customer not partnership but movie studios are there to make money it's hard cold hard reality Movie making is a lot like TV news. They're not there to inform you or entertain you. They're still there to make business. Why do you think news selects the topics that they do? It's not to keep you informed. It's to keep the lights on for their own business, so to speak. It's not inherently bad, but it's just the way the model is. Studios choose the choices that they make by committee, essentially, for a lot of projects because they want the most return for their investment. It's why it's something we celebrate, stuff like Blumhouse, because that really doesn't have a committee and it shows in its products for better or for worse. Do I love everything Blumhouse comes out with? Heck no. Truth or dare, that's garbage. But I still appreciate that garbage is able to be made. Like, okay, this was clearly made by somebody and has a much more unique style than the Transformers sequel, so to speak. Studios want to be safe because I get it. You need safe choices. You need to keep the lights on. It's kind of the issue, say, Paramount's running into right now. Paramount has not really had a whole lot of hits under their belt. They are really looking at things of, we need to make money. Hence why they keep making Mission Impossible sequels. Why are they making a Top Gun Maverick sequel all these years later? Like They need ideas. And so when studios are thinking of concepts, I think the first thing they're probably contemplating is, do we think this will make us a good return on investment? Because that's essentially what a movie studio is there for. It's another avenue of revenue. Disney has theme parks. They've got streaming. They've got movies. But it all funnels to one spot. And it's it's like a big company. It is a big company, so to speak. But you always want your branches to be strong, essentially, and bear good fruit. That analogy worked out a lot better than I thought it would. Sure. But you want all your branches strong and movies are just part of it. You're not caring. Unfortunately, you don't care if the people eating the fruit off your tree if the fruit tastes good, so long as the tree is still healthy and thriving to the owner of the tree itself. So that's well, why I... we get some of the movies that we do is because it it makes money for them. That's the point.
1: Yeah. And it's it's hard to because like, so let's kind of like bring it in a little bit just because the the, the conversation is, is like uh you know is creativity and movies dead obviously i think the the e the easy answer is no uh i think the hard answer more nuanced answer is uh it depends because with companies i'll like, never
0: say it's dead never
1: yeah i'll never say it's dead especially as long as like companies like companies like a24 as like for a24 dude i uh, I have no idea how they put, put out so many movies. I can't see them all. And so many of them are very small budget. And, but like they're all unique. And as much as I don't like green Knight, I can uh, at least appreciate the artist artistry that went into that. And so it's hard to sit here and like, like stuff like, um, Oh geez. I just, I had it. Just lost it. Um, last night in Soho. Like, that kind of stuff. And as much as mm-hmm, as stupid as the campaign and results in complaining was from Bradley Scott, The Last Duel exists. It's a thing. It's, there's creativity happening. People are trying to tell new stories or at least bring new stories that aren't mainstream to the forefront. And as much as I love a good comic book movie there's a lot of stories out there that aren't comic book related that i can't wait to see and i can't wait for somebody to take a creative lead on and so it's i don't think i could ever say the creativity is dead no because I mean, even even if you're just like oh, look at all these marvel movies like the amount of creativity and skill that go uh, and artistry that goes into every single moment of every single film even if it's if it's if it's one that i don't like like civil war like i can at least appreciate like the fact just even the scene like where everybody's running through the tunnel when they're chasing bucky and you've got a bunch of people running a lot faster than cars like how does that work how do you how do you make that look visually interesting it's it's just there's so I, i i'm just I think to say if somebody is saying creativity in in the movie industry is dead, I think you know there's nothing original anymore. I think is a not looking hard enough and exactly. b is just ignoring the amount of hard work that a lot of people put into these films.
0: I can think that's exactly my point that I was going to bring up is. Is creativity dead? No, you just have to actually spend some time looking for it. Marvel movies or any comic book movies to me are like pizza. I like pizza. I'll never get tired of pizza. I've been eating pizza ever since I was a little kid. But sometimes I want something different. So I can think within the last 10 years of new potential franchises that have come up that I could see being new things. As much as we bag on the Conjuring universe. That is a whole franchise that came out of an original concept, a new idea. I didn't like the sequel, but Happy Death Day. That was a new concept. Horror is striving right now because they're free to do these weird and wacky ideas while also still kind of embracing the past. Halloween 2018 was the Force Awakens of horror, as we've said so many times, because it was made by fans, which is some other big thing we can get into of We're getting now into this generation of we've had original stuff like Star Wars. um, But we're getting – because we're old and time is undefeated, the people that grew up with that stuff are now old enough to make stuff of their own, which is how you're getting Favreau leading the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and Star Wars. How you get J.J. Abrams doing Star Trek. You get the people (sighs) that were originally fans making their own stuff.
1: I'm – just remembered her name um she's she she's gonna di- she directed the episode five
0: bryce dallas bit. howard
1: yes she's coming up too like she and she's oh
0: she's awesome
1: they like a director is still pretty young and like i i, I think it's just like people like Ed, edgar wright so like kingsman the whole kingsman series yes it's based off of a comic book but it's still like visually unique and storyline it's just a spy movie it's fine but the subversion of the spy genre is super interesting to me it just and that's why i think why and this is just me uh, saying stuff i guess but maybe that's why i don't find the gangster movies very interesting is because they don't necessarily say anything they don't they say something about like a very specific scenario that uh, isn't as prevalent for the masses and not to, I guess not to say that, no, you know what? Yeah. Movies sh- should be the expression of, of human emotion as a human soul and what makes us who we are. Um, and gangster movies just don't, they seem like the worst part of humanity. Like I don't want gr- to glorify criminal activity as, and of course that's a, there's a gray area there. Um, but it's just, they just don't do anything for me because they don't say anything.
0: I think also something important to come up and I'm glad you brought up Bryce Dallas Howard is creativity comes from different types of storytellers as well as different types of stories. And I think nowadays we're getting more and more types of storytellers than ever before. Therefore, creativity will always be around. You're getting more women directing you're getting more people of color directing like you said bryce dallas howard mandalorian mm-hmm. you also have uh naya DaCosta who just did candy man is doing the captain marvel sequel while i didn't love Candyman, i love having different perspectives on typical tropes like horror i liked having a different perspective on things jordan peele is taking over Dude. the horror genre i didn't yes. particularly think get out was that scary it wasn't for me but i appreciate that through get out and us he brought in new people to a genre because of his creativity He's different style so while people bag on the big blockbuster stuff i think we're really on the, preface, prep, the precipice of a new wave of creativity actually with names like names that are becoming the new household names no longer do we have the steven spielbergs we still do because the man will never die and keep making great movies but we we've had st- for so long, we've had Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino. Those guys are getting up in age. Tarantino's talked about retiring. We're getting names like Jordan Peele, John Favreau, or someone that I still maintain is very underrated, Sean Levy, who just did Real Steel. No, not just did Real Steel. He did Real Steel <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. He just did... <laughs> that movie's f- old. <laughs> he just did Free Guy, which is a completely new and original idea. Granted, it's more or less just kind of live action Wreck-It Ralph, but whatever. But that's a new and original idea that's absolutely going to be turned into a franchise. We're getting these new and diverse voices. Josh's guy, Robert Eggers. You get Robert Eggers. Yeah. Um, the other one, Ari Aster. You're getting all these new names that will be big names someday. Ryan Johnson. No matter what uh, you think about Last Jedi, love it or hate it, you know the name Ryan Johnson because while it didn't work for Josh and I, Last Jedi tries to do different things. Might not work for you, but I applaud that he was willing to try it. And mm-hmm. whatever mistakes he may have done with Last Jedi for me, more than made up for it with Knives Out. That's That works perfectly fine. Edgar Wright, I don't think, is going anywhere because of his the way that he approaches things is so creative, and the projects that he chooses to take on are so creative. It's also, nowadays, with the advent of technology, it's easier to make things than ever before. Like, I know there's always talk about people in the 70s and 80s are like, oh, I got out my Super 8 camera with some friends and made some stuff. Nowadays, you can make full-on fan films just from your computer or even with your phone. That's essentially mm-hmm. how David F. Sandberg got to where he is. The guy that made the Shazam movies started making YouTube shorts that you could still find on his YouTube channel with his girlfriend, now his wife, who's in stuff with him. Like creativity can spring up out, out of nowhere. And I feel like we're getting a new like wave of creativity. So as much as people bash this, this like era of the big blockbusters that may seem creatively bankrupt to us it's it's a barter system one for you one for us you need the big movies to keep the lights on so to speak like Mm -hmm. i i've said before i think there's a reason why the rock is voicing crypto in super pets that that seems to me like a okay we'll let you have something if you give us something in return like we'll let you have something for your upcoming movie if you do this movie for us type of thing like system movies are a collaborative effort <laughs> and sometimes you do favors
1: we'll let you voice crypto we'll if you voice crypto for us we'll let you fight henry cavill's men uh, superman later on
0: you joke you <laughs> joke <laughs> oh no I. But you never know, bro. Dude, I genuinely think that that might actually be part of the agreement. It's just like, okay, <laughs> if you really want Henry, you're gonna need to do this for us type of thing. We don't care that you're the Rock, but like nowadays, I think you can find truly creative and original ideas. Like I love the first Happy Death Day because it's such a clever spin on the horror genre, or um, one that is always in the prime discussion of why didn't people see this movie more because it could have been a whole universe edge of tomorrow or mm-hmm. well that goes back to josh bringing up the excellent point about marketing because marketing sole handedly killed edge of tomorrow because it was first called all you need is kill which is a much better name then they titled it to edge of tomorrow then when it came out on home video they changed it to live die repeat which changing it three times is a terrible idea but also not having good trailers That was a completely creative, outside-of-the-box idea that no one saw because of terrible marketing. You can find good ideas. Are you willing to do the work? Or also, and I know this is hard because all of us are like this. Not just us complaining. I'm guilty of this. Josh is guilty of this. Of judging before we see it. Like I said, so many people have judged this Uncharted movie. And maybe I'm just being too optimistic. That could absolutely be the case. <laughs> but I don't think it's fair to judge something. I say this now. I don't think it's fair to judge something until we've seen it. We've heard a lot of rumors about like the future of some DC movies. And people are already writing those movies off. And I'm going, we don't know how it's going to be executed. Case in point, a lot of the rumors that we heard about Spider-Man No Way Home that I absolutely hated ended up being true. But how they're pulled off in the movie made sense. I think mm-hmm. movie fans and people in general are reactionary. It's human nature. If we hear something we don't like, it's how trolls get their kicks, essentially. He's just pushing the right buttons. We are reactionary people. And I think at times we just need to sit back, see the whole picture. The Well, I was about to say, the earth is not crumbling around us, but... The Earth is crumbling sometimes. around us. Yeah, the movie world is not crumbling around us. Um, movies will outlive us. There'll be Keith Richards roaches and movies. Um,
1: Kevin Bacon and everything.
0: <laughs> what was the last Kevin Bacon thing you saw, though? Um,
1: that's like a recent film. Yeah. Um. I honestly, you know what? Let's. You bring look, up I, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. I. i like. I mean, but like. To be fair, that
0: is like
1: He's in basically everything, man. You can't fight me on that part. Where's IMDb? Here.
0: He's been on TV a lot lately. He, uh, yeah. Well, he, also, while you're looking he's that just up, in everything dude. we need to do a podcast about like movies that we have not seen that people would be surprised about because I still have not seen Tremors, and so I was hanging out with the teen group at my church. What? Hold on, no, Tremors is wait, great. Wait, wait, wait. So there's there's a couple of the teens that I'm just like they haven't seen a whole lot, and so talk about Tremors and one of them who really is like 12 or 13 who has not seen a lot. He's like, you haven't seen Tremors. I'm like, Gabe, how has Gabe seen Tremors? And I haven't. How? That's funny. I'm. Why? Where did you? My parents have seen Tremors. Okay, and.
1: to your uh to your credit it's it's cool the first one's cool and they get cooler as they go but like it's definitely not for everyone <laughs> um to the point like okay also it's creative I'm, actually, I'm super sad uh i actually wanted to watch to rewatch a dune the other day like not thinking that they took it off hbo max and i like went on there and i was like oh it'll the, be back the, shortly the, the, the new tune's not on here Bro, I so I'm looking at this. I haven't.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's been Kevin a while Bacon? since what was I've that seen. that about Kevin it.
1: Bacon and everything? But okay, look, a lot of these are TV shows. He's been in a lot of shows lately. You just
0: said, Nicholas Cage is in everything. Which okay, you say create people that say creativity is dead don't follow the career of Nicholas freaking Cage. Nicholas Cage, <laughs> Nicholas Cage is the most creative man working in Hollywood today. You may say. But if it's not good. I don't care. That man is trying things. Might not always work. You don't always bat a thousand. He is trying movies. Willy's Wonderland. That to, one yeah. where he like has bombs tied to him in every appendage. Um, uh, and then the pig. Like, I'll be pissed if that, that man does not win an Academy Award for pig. Um, or like, like Drive Angry is uh, while it's just like a. Uh,
1: uh, a paint by numbers supernatural na- thriller movie, like it's, it's like a lot of fun and it's still unique to the point where like I almost want to revisit that universe a little bit. Like it's just, uh, it's he's so good. You can't. I love this Cage. I'm just uh. okay. It's it's but, been a while since I've seen something. Yeah, like Kevin. told you.
0: Yeah, but I don't think it's like as. Harry, Josh has been going through Harry Potter. Is is loyalty dead? No, not loyalty. Is creativity dead? No, not so long as there are people that are loyal to it, as I Fox will fly in I with a you. new script that needs to be made. <laughs> like, oh, It's <sighs> a creative concept. Um, again, creativity, just when things go through peaks and valleys. Movies are like a coaster. You've got boom periods, like 1999 was one of the biggest years for movies ever. And then you've got some dips, you've got some exploding uh, boom periods of like creative concepts get a lull. Everything is changing and fluctuating. Movie studios are a very reactionary thing. It's companies will always wait to see which penguin jumps in the water first before they jump in. Like Kevin, Kevin. um, <laughs> good reference, good reference. Um, <laughs> case in point, I will always bring up my Universal monsters because. God knows how many times they've tried to do Universal Monsters shared universe, like all of the original movies, but it doesn't work. But looking at them, they always follow whatever the trend of the movie-making world was at the time. Patrick Williams had a great video about this of um, the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing. Hmm. Weird that it feels like a big, huge, bombastic action movie a few years after... The first X-Men and Jason Bourne comes out with shaky cam and everything else. Weird, huh? Or Tom Cruise's The Mummy tries to set up a shared cinematic universe a few years after the Avengers came out. Hmm, weird. Or let's have a slow-burn drama with Jack Nicholson while classic dramas are being built. Or hmm, weird. We have brom Stoker's Dracula around the time where gothic horror was really the norm for Hollywood at the time. Hmm, weird. It's like they're Chasing trends and not relying on the actual characters and stories to tell their thing. Sometimes you just have to rely and trust that the stories that were originally there will stand the test of time. There's a reason people still read Sherlock Holmes and Robin Hood, and Josh is emotionally broken over there for some reason.
1: I, well, because like while you were talking, sorry, I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, because Kevin Bacon's in everything. The last thing I watched him in was in Black Mass. He was in
0: Black Mass?
1: Yes, he's a black bass. And With
0: Benedict Cumberbatch's god awful Boston accent?
1: And, and and uh uh Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah, from two thousand fifteen.
0: That was seven <gasps> years ago. Dude,
1: that's a while ago. I'd be a little stupid. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's I just yeah, I, I I think I've tried not to dabble too much into our whole conversation. The <laughs> episode that turned into a rant about uh nerd culture um, but yeah like there's like it just I, sometimes i feel the nerd culture attitude leaks into other moviegoers and I, I feel like you can't some people feel like you can't casually go to the movies anymore and to be fair like sometimes they're like 10 15 bucks a pop so it's like i get it
0: oh i'm aware as i bought my uncharted <laughs> tickets for opening night for showing those were Dude. not cheap because I but got like, the biggest screen possible because <laughs> <laughs> spared no expense I, I'm not
1: surprised about that at all but like I I found like um a really small theater in my in my town that like literally I saw no way home for seven bucks and like I'm probably gonna go check out um licorice pe- licorice pizza for like five bucks or something like that like like to me, that's the perfect opportunity to go go to a small film A, you're, you're supporting a small business. B, it's a lot cheaper. C, like, it's a, like, I, it's just the perfect way to see, like, smaller films. And I think whenever I saw, um, I was reading the the article by Martin Scorsese about, you know, the more films aren't cinema, blah, 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 blah. I, the more and more I think about it, The more and more I realize, the more intimate and and like non like quote unquote like big movies like the more cinematic movies, I've watched at home on my couch with like either some friends or like by myself in the dark, and I feel like that like cinema to me deserves a more intimate setting, and I I don't feel like I get that at a theater unless. I go to, like, a, small, a smaller mom-and-pop theater. So I I, I, I think I'm, I'm always going to do, like... And, like, the first time I ever saw Psycho was at downtown Austin at this, like, this... Uh, yeah, dude, like, four or five years ago was the first time I'd ever seen Psycho. And it was at a theater that they had... Con- like, an old, like, play theater that they had converted into a movie theater to show, like past movies and it just happened that they were like hey we're going through like a whole whole horror series or like um in texas i don't know if it's big anywhere else but um alamo, uh, alamo, alamo Draft Draft House? House yeah it's where i saw bill and ted huge. three it's so cool like that kind of stuff needs to happen and the, i think about the the little uh the little dream you and i shared i was like if i ever win the win the lottery like to have to own a theater that does stuff And I think maybe this is where theater is going to start to have to go and advertise more in showing movies from the past. Being like, hey, it's October. Anybody down for a Conjuring marathon in a theater? I do that that because
0: the theater by by me starts showing horror movies, old horror movies, in addition to the current stuff, starting in September through October. It's how I've seen... Uh, The original Halloween theaters, which was a religious experience that was fantastic. Uh, But they do a good job of showing. Still makes me mad to this day that I had to work on that day. But they did a Wolfman, Invisible Man double feature. And I'm going, ugh! Um, But showing that old stuff because it educates older the younger generations about the past. And Mm -hmm. what's the old adage? Those who aren't familiar with history are doomed to repeat it. And I think you get a lot of younger generations on social media that see movies a specific way and interact with movies a specific way which is nothing wrong with that but thinking that this is how it will always be is absolutely foolish nothing is temporary except chuck norris like everything will fade in time and the way we interact with things will change with time like (gasps) did you know Movies might disappear one day and movies will never be the same? Oh, am I talking about now? Or am I talking about nineteen fifties with the rise of TV? Everything is cyclical. Like nothing new is under the sun, like I already said. Yeah. So like just look at your film history and see, oh, there are certain trends, there's ebbs and flows. We will always have movies, but how we choose to interact with them will be different. Therefore, I don't worry about the supposed lack of creativity in movies now. I see this as just a phase because movies have their own phases. Like we talk about the early 2000s had all those horror remakes of Texas Chainsaw and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. We don't see those nearly as much as we did. We still see them. But back in that era, we had them every couple months. My Bloody Valentine. They were everywhere. But that's a trend that's died out. Hollywood and movie making is a trend thing. It will always chase what's hot. Everyone wants to chase the MCU right now because they see that as a giant marketing thing. Of that makes up a lot of money, we want to do that, but we don't want to put the work that the MCU put in to get to that point. Spoiler alert, the MCU will not live forever. It may live outlive all of us, but eventually shared cinematic universes won't be the norm anymore it'll probably not be for a while that that will be the case but something new will come up thus is the nature of movie making and that is fine everything changes over time look at the movies that you watched 10 to 20 years ago are they the movies that you watch now i hope not i hope you've mm-hmm. grown and changed as a person that your tastes have changed you've discovered new things that you've liked you look for different things oh dear god do you dress the same way that you did 20 years well
1: yes yeah i was to say, <laughs> uh, yes. i did too
0: different different subject but you see what i mean though of you want things yeah. change and evolve so people complain about creativity if you think that's the case Either look harder or just be patient. Nothing stays the way it is forever. But, Mike, I'd say just look for other things because there really is. This is the most creative time that we've seen for movie making because it's never been easier to make it. It's just, are you willing to put the effort in either finding it or making it for yourself if you're going to complain so much?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think. I just. Saying, like, you know, the the film and the movie industry is so lack of creativity, like, it just means you're also, I understand they're kind of locked behind a paywall, but streaming services have, honestly, a lot of original content, either, if it's not pulled up from a book, it's literally, completely new programming, like, I mean, I Witcher, I know, is pulled from a game in books, but, like, something like that has not existed in, 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 a film TV uh, kind of thing before Um, shows like altered carbon or dark or like uh, even um, like stranger things, stuff like that has not existed before. And it's so unique style of storytelling and unique stories. And just, I think I, I I don't want to like become this person that's like scolding, like how just look harder, but like in this kind of instance, Like if you're at least in today's day and age, if you're saying creativity is dead, like, bro, you're just not paying attention. You're just not looking around at the end of the day.
0: You're just sticking your head in the sand or if you're just purposely ignoring certain things just to support a certain argument, which if you think that totally fine. But I enjoy watching movies. I just enjoy discovering and I don't think there's any shortage of discovering new stuff nowadays. That being said, movie studios take some risks every once in a while when you do take risks market them better so we don't have a real steel or treasure planet situation we sabotage the movie um but what do you guys think i know this is a kind of more nuanced topic we took a different approach this week did you like it do you want to see us have more discussions like this going forward let us know We always was like hearing from you guys and as always if you like what you see and you want to see more subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on whether it's itunes spotify google Podcasts, youtube And if you like what you see, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. Help us get to 700 subscribers before the end of the year. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.